Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Kyle Calgren. And this week we are doing a classic comedy question mark. <laughs> It is fondly remembered by a lot of people, mainly for, you know, two scenes and not for the rest of it. This is 1998. There's something about Mary. So what is that something? Well, first... I guess that's what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing it. Um, There's something about Mary was directed by Peter and Bobby Farrell. Farrelly, Farrelly, I don't know. They're brothers. Um, Who cares? Peter, Who cares how you pronounce it? Peter very recently uh, directed Green Book. Pretty sure that one was that that was Peter that that did that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that a, masterpiece. That was a Peter joint. Uh, the screenplay and <laughs> the screenplay credits are four men: um, Ed Dechter. John G. Strauss and Peter and Bobby, the pals. Now, um, I've seen this film. Uh, Kyle and I watched it for the first time together. This is a movie that I did not watch when I was young. I watched like scenes of it, like on E, but I never watched all of it together. So this was the first time me, 26 years old, watching it for the first time. Kyle, 32 years old, watching it for the first time. So we're coming at from... Uh, actually, I have seen it before. Oh, Okay. I first saw it when I was, um, I don't know, like 2021. Okay. Um, and I think I remember only watching it because it was on the uh, list of the 1001 movie you must see before you die. Oh, really? What? It's on that list? That's... It's, it's on one of the earlier editions of that list. Okay. Okay. Well, so uh, before we recorded this podcast, like several weeks before, probably by the time it premieres, I t- I sent a tweet and it was what was the thing about Mary though was it that she was blonde a man replied and you know it's very the male perspective is very important here while we discuss this film which seems to be very well loved by men for some reason his response was she was a 10 who gave absolute twos and below just as much attention and love as if as she would an eight or a nine oh so he's using incel language (laughs) wow we're really okay yeah i'm I'm gonna repeat that again because i just i just want everybody to hear that she was a 10 who gave absolute twos and below just as much attention and love as she would an eight or a nine. Now let's talk about this. Um, what is a 10? Apparently it's Cameron Diaz. No, but like what, what is the criteria for a 10 Kyle? I don't know. I mean, I know I'm here to give, the male perspective, but I don't feel qualified to give the male perspective. You are qualified. I don't feel qualified to give a male perspective. But you are. You're qualified because I asked you to do it, so come on. I don't know what constitutes a 10. It's like, 
it's like, you know, Wittgenstein's concept of game. There are many different, you know, facets of game that can qualify. But, okay, you know, but we're talking about Mary. How is Mary a 10? Because the movie says so. You see, I, I can't just take that because this is a movie that that people have revered. This is a movie that got three out of four stars from Roger Ebert. You come take this ride with me. Why is Mary a tent? If I say it, I'm just a hating ass bitch. I need you to say it. She's a tent because she's thin and blonde and has a symmetrical face. Mm-hmm. And she's, you know, nice to guys that don't really deserve to niceness. Now, that last part really interests me. Because I would say that, by and large, women are, especially straight women, are much nicer to men who don't deserve it in general. Like, like all of them. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't really think of women as mean to men. Like, at all. Like, even, like, I don't know. Like, I've dated. They're not. They're not. They're really not. Like, especially when it comes to dating. Like, if you want to talk about, I guess, debate or whatever, uh, sure, maybe. But, like, in terms of dating, I generally feel like straight women aren't that discerning and also, like, tend to give their kindness to whoever is kind to them and to those who aren't. A straight girl's niceness kind of spreads across the ocean. But isn't that, like, a self-defense mechanism as much as it is anything because men are terrifying? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, there's a scene later in this film where Mary c- is confronted by a man who stalked her in college. And she is, this is a person who she has a restraining order against. She is very calm. She is very calm and very nice and very accommodating. Don't you think so? Very. Extremely. Uh, she is a diplomat. She is very diplomatic. Maybe that's what a 10 is. A 10 is just a diplomat. <laughs> Well, then I feel like we're all, then most women are diplomats then. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like this movie. By the way, ranking people as a numerical look thing is wrong. I feel like this movie is based on a bunch of false premises. One being that women are mean to men. Mm-hmm. That's. I actually think that women are way nicer to men than they have any business being. And I feel like anybody who is, like, on this earth and has, like, a concept of reality <laughs> understands this. Yeah. Seems like 1998, maybe the, con- maybe, I don't know where reality was. I don't know if everyone was in touch with it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's a Gen X thing. I was six. Yeah, I don't know. I think it might partially be a Generation X thing. What's up with Generation X? You're not Generation X, honey. You're no, like I'm an- not. But you know a lot of people in Generation X, you know? I suppose I do. So, explain them. No. <laughs> We're, I can't. we're talking, honey. Okay, there's something about Mary is a story. I'm not going to defend them. You don't need to defend them, but you have to explain them. I'm the younger person. Here's the thing. I'm a 26-year-old black woman. Everyone is going to assume that I am a hating-ass bitch whenever I talk about these things. You are here 
so that I don't have to say all of the things. Oh, okay. That so. I am like that I you know take some of the burden off me. Oh, so is this like that Chappelle sketch where um he asked the the pretty white woman to sing all of his thoughts? I mean, very similar to that. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm just I you as a man like cuz I'm sure, you know, sometimes when you have fans that like, especially when we were like doing all those vlogs together, who were just like, she she just gets the conversation. She just steamrolls him. She's just saying all these things, and he's just brainwashed by her vagina. It's so black. Like it. Yeah, my my commenters suck sometimes. Um, so I mean, commenters y'all suck sometimes. But the thing about it is, is that a lot of the time when I'm talking and you're not talking, it's because you're silently agreeing with me. And that, that yeah. is not, it's hard to, I know it's not good to, it's, it's hard it's to illustrate. It's hard to illustrate that. I need you to be in with me here. Okay. This is a process. All right. Whew. Okay. Uh, so, okay. Uh, generation X I do not know why they think women are mean. Maybe women used to be meaner. Do you really believe that? No. <laughs> no, I just said that. It doesn't feel true at all. <laughs> I think men are just, you know, sensitive in ways that they don't read as sensitive. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of, um, you know, election, which did it, if it came out, it either came out the same year or the year after this. A uh, year after, 1999. Um, you know, election, there's a lot of what I will refer to as Hillary Clinton panic. Yeah. Like, oh no. A smart woman. The what? women are coming. The women are coming to get, like, this whole, like... Like, like if you're watching a movie in the 70s or early 80s and there's a lot of men that are, like, uncomfortable about women's lib or, like, making jokes and stuff like that, the 90s feels like... It feels like the response to third-wave feminism in the 90s was just to make a bunch of movies about how women are scary. <laughs> yes, it's almost like a reaction to it. It's almost reactionary... Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's so much stuff in 1999 about women being scary. Also, the early 2000s, they, that was the rise of, I mean, post-election, kind of like the rise of movies where, like, women are so conniving that they're just, like, they're just, like, tricking everybody into everything. And it's always, like, the most innocent-looking white woman that's doing it. It's kind of like where uh, that terrible movie, Pretty Persuasion, came from, which only men think that Pretty Persuasion is a good movie. I've never seen Pretty Persuasion. It's a movie um, where uh old girl who, uh, uh, homegirl, uh, Evan Rachel Wood, ah. she's just like, plays like this like little adorable girl who just like sexually manipulates every person around her. Uh-huh. Because that is the power of the girl. I also think that it's partially related to um, probably the Amy Fisher story, um, which is, uh, have you not heard about this? No. Wow. Um, Amy Fisher was a girl on Long Island who was dating an older man. And, and I say, and I use dating with finger quotes because it's not possible for a teenager to date an older man. That's just predatory behavior um 
and uh, he said that he was going to leave his wife and he didn't. And uh, she ends up shooting the wife. I did not know this story. Yeah, yeah. It happened on Long Island in the 90s. There were like two, there were a couple movies about it. One of them were where she's played by um, Alyssa Milano. And I think there's one where she's played by Drew Barrymore. Um, hmm. I think they premiered on the same night or something. They were like competing TV movies about the same story. I think I, t- we t- I talked about this on In the Smut, but at the time I had my notes in front of me. I don't have my notes about the Amy Fisher story in front of me right now. Okay. Um, but I feel like there was a lot of stuff in the 90s about the sexual power of women and how they use it to wield over men and how they're like eat like um the movie um saving silverman is like this which saving silverman is literally a movie about a guy who is with a domineering woman and so his friends have to save him from her like that's so they're saving him from um a a ball buster Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Mary is the opposite of this. The, th- the thing about Mary seems to be she's nice, she's white, she's blonde, she's very skinny, she's got, like, you know, a winning smile. She has a mentally challenged brother that she is very kind to. And the movie seems to... Um, the movie seems to posit that no one else would be <laughs> kind to him. That it's like particularly special that she is. Yeah. Which. He's used as a prop for her kindness, ultimately. Yeah. It's like, it's like the character is named Warren and Warren is here to show you how empathetic Mary is but the thing is is that if someone's your brother of of course course you're going to look out for him I don't it's kind of like when you have like especially when he's being openly bullied by other people in his class right like especially like and it's because this you know it was cool to make fun of the disabled in the 90s and you can tell based on just how much it happens in this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, but there's also just this thing where it's like, how you treat your brother is really not an indication of how you treat other people. There are, like, white families that have, like, one black kid and everyone's nice to that black kid because he's part of the family. But that doesn't mean that they're nice to black people everywhere. It doesn't... Mm-hmm. Protecting your brother is not an indication of whether or not you're a good person. They're your brother. My brother's an asshole, and I'll protect him. Like, it doesn't actually matter. <laughs> it's not actually an indication of anything. True. Um, it's like when, like, Republic... It's like, uh, like if you saw Vice, you know? It's this idea that uh, Dick Cheney you know, as a conservative, campaigned against gay people, has a gay daughter, loves that gay daughter that doesn't change, like, anything. And all of the work that he did, like, government-wise, was working against his daughter's interests. 
Yep. So, what? What? Um, <laughs> it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Like Mary is nice, and Mary, um, apparently, she's she's nice to Ben Stiller, who is like a dork with like metal all in his mouth, and he has like a weird haircut. And she invites him to the prom, and it's just this idea that how could someone so perfect invite him to the invite this kind of guy to the prom? Number one, Ben Stiller, even with the metal in his mouth, like isn't bad looking it's very weird he's that ben was, stiller he's ben stiller like this idea that ben stiller is ugly he's not he's never been i mean part of the reason why ben stiller gets away with doing all of the shit that he did especially in the 90s was because he was handsome if he was ugly do you he would not have played half the characters that he did oh yeah like <laughs> it just doesn't <laughs> it's a it's <laughs> In um also later in the movie you find out that she that Mary thought that braces were hot. She says that. She says yeah. that all of the metal in his mouth was hot. Is that the something that she just thinks dorky guys, dorky average looking guys are attractive despite being, you know, I think that, uh, ten. I think that that's what the something is supposed to be, but the problem with that is is that dorky guys have never really had trouble with getting hot people to date them. I don't think no. that there was ever a time when that was a thing. I feel if like they, <laughs> no, if they did have trouble with getting hot people to date them, it was probably something that they did or said or, you know, were. It was because, you know, there was something wrong with them emotionally. It was because of something that they... <sighs> yeah, I am yeah. sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. This is a thing. And I know, once again, you know, I'm a woman and I'm, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm a... Whatever. But I'm just saying that, like, in my entire existence, you know, no matter what, like, no matter how much work I put into my appearance, no matter how much I exercised and dieted and drank water, no matter what, like guys would still put in no effort to the point where like my dating criteria became, does he wash himself? Like <laughs> does he, does, does he shower daily? Does he run a comb through his hair or a brush or something? The thing is, is that women's standards have always been incredibly low. And so it's very weird when you get all these movies that are about how women have high standards because they all seem to be like a reactionary thing where like, a girl was mean to them once and men somehow created this entire like cultural lie that we're all that way and that we all have incredibly high standards. When most of the time that I spend with other women is trying to get them to realize that they can have standards. Like that's most conversations among women. And I don't get like, I mean, thoughts, Kyle? Thoughts? Yeah, uh, give your thoughts. None. Men are trash. No, we do nothing. Give your thoughts. Actual thoughts. Get it, try to get into the brain space of this. Of like, the Farrelly's? Of, like, men in the 90s. Of this kind of behavior. Of this kind of brand of comedy. Because, I mean, it's pretty 
popular. At least it was for a really long time. Yes, and that's sad. But it's also just like you didn't come out of the womb like this, so explain how you got here. I didn't come out of the womb. I was... (laughs) I was, what, eight? No, I, I... I was no, I was uh, I was nine years old, in, in '98, or like, no, I was eleven. I was eleven years old. I'm not talking about '98 specifically, honey. I'm talking about this entire. Kyle, why do you pretend to like you don't understand how men think? <laughs> Come on. You're really pushing me. Yes. In front of all these listeners. Yes, I want you to be honest because I'm saying that, like, I'm sure that you were shallow at a time. So talk about I was. it. Yes, okay. I was. <laughs> and you know, I guess the 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 something that people saw in in Mary was, you know, the kindness that we wouldn't give ourselves. Because, you know, we don't put in effort and we don't think we're worth the effort and we don't think that um, it's like the, the effort that men put in themselves, it's like it's career based. It's, you know, status based because like the way that men, you know, build themselves up for Mary is by lying to them about their careers or their their good deeds. Yeah. And that is like, and if you don't do that, then you're a loser. Instead of actually, you know, doing the deeds, it's that's that is the kind of work that men put into themselves. Clearly, it means nothing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a different kind of shallowness, and it's just a different way that men push themselves and. Basically, men hold themselves to a different standard than women hold men to. And so, I don't know, there's just so much self-loathing going on in this movie. There's so much. Okay, we're getting to it. Yeah, this movie has a lot of self-loathing in it. Because the thing that I kept on thinking is that there's no point in lying. Just come to Mary correct and... Just, like, tell her who you are. And the thing about it is, the thing that makes this movie so sad is that Especially for Matt Dillon, if he had just said who he was, like... He, if he it, just came come up and said, I'm a private investigator? If he was just like, I'm a private investigator, somebody asked me to, like, track you down. I did it, but then when I was watching you, I realized how much, like, how much of, a, like, a good person you seem to be and how interesting and fun and kind you seem to be and I would really like to go out with you and I know that you're probably not going to be down for that because I just spent like a week watching you but it was my job and I can leave this job if you want I can do something else if Mm -hmm. you want I can like if you want to change your life that is what you should do instead of telling people that that's what you're doing when you're not doing it yeah, like he lies about being in the Peace Corps or something. Yeah, like, like it's like, and the thing about it is, is that like, 
it seems crazy to say, hey, I've been watching you for a week. I'm a private detective, but I want to go out with you. But Mary seems like she probably would have been fine with it. And that yeah. makes me think that Mary probably needs some therapy. Um, but Some female friends who talk to her about other things than uh, men. Yeah, the moments with her female friends are really, you can tell it's that. this whole room of Bechtel test flunkers. You can tell that this was written by four men because there are a bunch of, like, different women there we got sarah silverman we've got candy alexander who is an amazing actress who's really really underused and then we have the other white one who i don't know (laughs) the other white one yes because candy alexander is black sarah silverman is sarah silverman and then there's a white one with a really bad haircut who i do not know (laughs) yeah and they all spend their all of their time talking about the various men that mary is dating it's very. It reminds me a lot of a movie that comes out later, but this, but that movie is more like a, a satire of male um, experience, which is called the sweetest thing. This part of the, the thing wrong with the sweetest thing is that like, and we're probably gonna do it on the podcast, but there's one side of it where they're making fun of men. Like, there's a great musical number in the sweetest thing where they talk about flattering men. And doing it by talking about how big their dick is. It's actually one of the best musical numbers I've ever seen in a movie. Because it's just like them being like, you're too good. You're too big to fit in here. Too big to fit in here. (laughs) It's like, it's so. I've seen that that thing, like out of context. I haven't seen the whole movie, but I have seen that scene like in isolation yeah it's a it's a great scene and unfortunately but the the problem with the sweetest thing is that it begins with a bunch of men and a bunch of women talking about the main character played by cameron diaz and talking about how much she gets with men and then dumps them and there's like a lot of like sad men who are just like (laughs) we had we had a good thing and there's like oh my god she's like in enigma and she comes and she's like a tornado and then she goes and like there's this there was this kind of idea of cameron diaz in the 90s where she could have any man that she wants and like her sexual power was just so overwhelming that she completely altered every man that she was in contact with and you can mm-hmm. and you can see that in oh there's something Oh my god something. the mask was about that. The mask was also about <laughs> that. Yeah, and you can see that in there's something about Mary. But the thing about Cameron Diaz is that like Cameron Diaz, like, as a person who follow, like, follows celebrity gossip, I know for a fact what Cameron Diaz's taste in men is, and, like, her standards are not that high. It's like the movie, it's like the movies that she was in insinuates that she has high standards and creates this mythology around her, but she's married to a dude from Good Charlotte. That's who she's married to. What's Good Charlotte? It was a pop, like, punk band like it was around the time it was kind of like it's a band it's kind of like a better version of simple plan um and he's just like a chubby guy who was in a band that's not very good that was really popular in the early 2000s and she like quit acting to be a wife like Mm. that's what she does now for just that guy Right. And I'm sure that she sees something amazing in that guy. But I think anybody like there's something about that guy. There's something about that guy. That's the thing. Like these, these like the problem with there's something about Mary is that there's so much of like this like arbitrary like obsession with her 
Like, she's an idea. She's not a person. And so the fact that she, like, ends up with someone in the end just feels like you ended up with, like, you're dating Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell? Yeah. Just uh, just this fairy, this random fairy. Yeah. I mean, like, Ben Stiller's issue... Ben Stiller... Because the thing is, is that, like, Ben Stiller... Mary was nice to him in high school and asked him to prom and Ben Stiller kind of sees it as this big, like giant act of charity that he's been thinking about his entire life. Yeah. And the thing is, is that she asked you to prom because she thought that you were cute and that's it. That's it. You were cute and you were nice to her brother. And the thing is, is that it makes sense. Like, as I said earlier, it makes total sense that Mary would be nice to Warren because that's her brother. The thing is, is that Ben Stiller has nothing to gain from being nice to Warren. Nothing. Yeah. And that's what she's attracted to. And he pretends like it's a complicated thing. Like, it's like, how could she ever? What could she ever see in you? You were nice to her. You listened when she talked. You were nice to her brother. I have dumped men for being mean to my brother. I don't like that shit. Like, so it's just like, of course. Of course she would like that. These are not complicated things. And I feel like the approach to this movie and why it's so well-loved has to do with this idea that in some way it makes no sense that Mary would talk to Ben Stiller. And I love how I'm not even calling his character's name. He's Ben Stiller. Um, mm -hmm. It's not complicated. It is truly, truly not. And it's also not complicated that she, um, there's a, the character played by Chris Elliott, who you later find out has been stalking her for years and stuff. It's not crazy that she apparently dated Chris Elliott in college. It's not like, I mean, the whole, the whole comedy bit about Chris Elliott is that he's unattractive in everything that he's in. That is the joke. That's the joke at Shit's Creek as well. But the thing is, is that in every movie I've ever seen Chris Elliott in, he has had a hot wife. And guess what? In real life, he has a hot wife. So what are we doing? What is the point? Like what, what is the point of this fiction? This fiction that what Chris Elliott looks like actually matters. What is that for? Who does that serve exactly? Men. But how? Because it because it only like justifies this idea that men are undesirable when everything is the case. Like most of the men that we talk about on this podcast who like are supposed to be losers actually aren't like Kevin James has a very beautiful wife. Steve Buscemi has a very beautiful wife. Adam Sandler has a very beautiful wife. So, I mean, are the, all of these women just nuts or is it maybe just that none of this shit is true? <laughs> mm -hmm. But it's true in men's minds and it's a sickness. And it's also just like, it's this a like, sick ideology. It, it is. And I mean, I guess like if you want this idea that like and also this idea of traditional hotness, like when I when I refer to these women as hot, I mean that people like if they were rating it would be like, oh, yeah, this is a hot person like a, like a 
Western objectivity as it is in the sense that, okay, they have like a certain symmetricalness. They have like shiny hair, like whatever. But actually, you know, like out of all of the men that we've talked about on this podcast, you know, with me and Bronwyn, I remember we did an episode on this movie with Gene Wilder and Kelly LeBrock. And, um, I said that the character in that movie that I really wanted to fuck was played by Charles Grodin. <laughs> and I remember. <laughs> and Charles I, Grodin? Pretty good looking guy. Yeah! No, but I remember just like I was sitting here and we were recording and Bronwyn was sitting right next to me. And she was just like, Charles Grodin? <laughs> and she was just he, like. Yeah, he yeah. is a very classically handsome person who just <laughs> happens to do a lot of comedy roles. Right, exactly. And I mean. I think, you know, I, I think that it's important in, that to, like, embrace this idea that, like, attractiveness is really subjective. Like, I have no interest in Ryan, Ryan Reynolds and people are just like, oh, that's weird. Even you would say that it's kind of weird. Like, I feel like there was something, especially when we started dating, where there was this whole, like, complex that you had about, like, but why would you be attracted to me? I mean, didn't you? Why? I still have that complex. Why the fuck are you attracted to me? I mean, I feel like this whole, that it, it has more to do, I feel like these arbitrary things like 9, 10, 2, these numbers are all just like kind of like a shield of just for like basic self-loathing. And if we were somehow mm. able to like pull that aside we would be able to figure out what's really going on because for me this movie is just a very sad movie about men who feel like only one woman in the world is ever going to be nice to them and that there is no other woman that will do that wouldn't it be wonderful if there was a version of this movie where even one of these guys went out with sarah silverman or any anyone else candy anyone yeah candy alexander is candy right alexander. there and she's and she's beautiful and she's and she's there like it's just yeah this but this idea that like notice that none of mary's friends are blonde mary mm -hmm. is the only blonde one so she is considered the hot one because she's the only blonde one there is nothing inherently better about mary than Sarah Silverman or Candy Alexander. Well, there's something about Aryans. Speak on it, honey. <laughs> Didn't you? Weren't you really into like a blonde girl in high school? Let's not get into that. <laughs> I will not discuss my past love life on this podcast. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because I have dignity. Do you? I mean, and also. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> but also, it's you. Just wound me i love you you hurt the ones you love yeah but also honey i mean part of the part of the appeal of the romantic comedy genre is to relate it to your actual life yeah that's why i hate romantic comedies because i hate thinking about myself <laughs> i really think that we've cracked it open this is why I watch movies with, you know, wild, stupid shit in them. Because wild, stupid shit doesn't happen to me.
<laughs> the look on his face is like really funny. Honey. <sighs> We're doing it for the listeners. We're doing it for the listeners. I hope they're happy. That's why I like to pull you in for these like really like male centric movies. And then you want to and then you I feel like I feel like you have a fear I, of like I feel like you want to separate yourself from other men so much that you won't even like go down the rabbit hole of trying to think like other men. Cuz other the way other men think is bad. The way other men think is wrong and it's toxic and it's you know on I mean, here we are on Al Gore's internet. Oh, wow, wow, Al Gore's internet, okay. <laughs> you know, we've spent all this time trying to dissect all the ways that ma- traditional masculinity is um, is toxic and poisonous and hurts men and women across the Well, that's the globe. not necessarily what I'm talking about, though. Well, that's what I'm talking about. I this mean, is a toxic yes, movie. It is a toxic movie, but we need to also... we. In order to analyze it, we have to get on the ride. We have to try to think about the way that these men were thinking. Yes, but why do I have to be the vessel for that? Why You're do not I, just the vessel. Why do I have to be the voice of that on <laughs> this podcast? Because I'm the voice of that every other time. <laughs> so here we are just, you know, doing voices. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how we understand these films. I am very distraught. (laughs) So what is, you know, there's one part of the, the, the humor in this movie that makes sense. And I feel like totally bolsters this idea that it's based on self loathing. And that's the fact that Ben Stiller is constantly like dealing with, like his entire li- he, like it's like tragedy it's like an episode of Rocco's Modern Life for him and it's his entire life like he he gets the date with this very nice girl and he gets his dick stuck in his zipper that's a scene that everyone remembers that's the only scene that I remembered mm-hmm. um before it also watching has nothing to do with the rest of the plot nothing it's just well it, it does have something to do with it because this character which uh god what's his fucking name so that we I can, can just stop. call him Ben Stiller. I'm fine with calling the Ben Stiller character Ben Stiller. Well, I mean, yeah, he is very much just like a Ben Stiller character. But the thing about Ben Stiller here is that this is a guy who sees himself as a disaster. And this is a guy who feels like he does not deserve good things. Part of the reason why he goes to uh, pursue Mary in the first place is him trying to kind of like reclaim his life and be like, I deserve something good. I deserve something nice. These bad things are always happening to me. He feels like he's, he feels like he's like cursed in a way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in that way, really, he, in a way he is because he is a comedy film protagonist. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I mean that, but also just like, he seems like his, his troubles seem like a manifestation of his own anxiety. His anxiety comes alive constantly instead of being internal. Like Matt Dillon deals with his anxiety by, you know, being cruel to others. But it's almost like Ben Stiller's anxiety takes on a life of its own where it's just constantly haunting him. 
And I think that in that case, that's really the most interesting thing that this movie does comedically. And I would almost say the only interesting thing because everything else is very um, prototypical. Because there's no way that there's something about Mary's about how men are terrible because I don't believe that anyone involved was smart enough to realize that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the reason why Mary chooses Ben Stiller in the end, which you know that he does because he's the main character. Of course she's going to choose him. Mm-hmm. Um, he He's the one who drops all the pretense. He's the one who like comes out in front of his own lies. He, t- he tells the truth. And he also, you know, shows that he has the ability to let her go. He shows that he does not want to possess her. I do think that he spends a lot of the movie wanting to possess her. And I think that when he sees all of these other men trying to do it, that he's just like, wow, this is really fucked up. This isn't how I should go about this at all. And I mean, that is growth. Like, I can't say that this character doesn't grow. This character does grow. Honestly, He's the only good thing about this movie. And if everything else around him wasn't so shit, it would probably be better. And I think there's a reason why Ben Stiller really became the star from this. It was because he was the only person in this movie that wasn't shit. And that actually felt like a human being because Mary doesn't really feel like one. Nope. Mary's Mary's a grail. She's Ma- a grail object. She's the quest and, and I mean, Cameron Diaz does a lot for Mary. Cameron Diaz gives Mary, um, gives Mary a lot of empathy and a lot of sweetness. But the thing is, is that she doesn't really have much of a character to play here. And a- any aspect of the character that comes alive, like, it, it's because of her. Cameron Diaz saves Mary as a character. But there's nothing specifically about Mary that's that extraordinary. There's nothing specifically about Mary. Mary is an idea. Mary is an idea of, of purity and happy, happiness and kindness and this idea that a woman will take you as you are. But the problem with that is, is that at the beginning of the movie, we already get an image of that with Chris Elliott's wife. Yep. Chris Elliott's wife is nice to him, she bakes for him, she gives him snacks, she sucks his dick, and she doesn't seem to be doing it, like, because she feels like she has to. She seems to be doing it because she likes it, and she likes him, and she likes being around him. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing wrong with her. Um, so why is it that he ends up being the guy who stalked Mary in the end, do you think? Because he's the ugliest guy. <laughs> Honestly, that's it, because they needed a... <laughs> I don't think the screenwriters took that into account. Yeah, it's almost just like... Maybe this... they thought that was the most surprising choice. I because guess. Because they'd been building up the Wookiee as the stalker, the Wookiee man as the this backstory character, and then having him be the least suspecting guy, I guess, would was, I guess, clever on their part. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it would also mean that, you know, I, he ends up being the mastermind behind the entire plot. He he doesn't just order the private detective to track down Mary for Ben Stiller. Chris Elliott does it because he wants to know where she is. Mm-hmm. Because he is not happy with his wife 
who is perfectly nice. And it's like their marriage doesn't even seem to be, he's not even like mean to his wife. He's kind of just like a prototypical kind of guy guy, but he's not like a dick to her at all. So it's even Mm -hmm. weirder when he's like a dick to Mary at the end, because where does this dickishness come from? Yeah. Wait, is this something about Mary victim blaming? Is it, are we blaming Mary for her own somethingness? I think that Mary is essentially a regular person who just wants to be left alone, really. It just seems like. Yeah. Like, the whole time I was watching this, I kept on saying that, like, she's just a person. But I'm trying to think. I feel like there was something. Um, There were some movies that kind of talked about this. I'm trying to remember which one it was. I guess if you... hmm. I mean, maybe 500 Days of Summer, even though 500 Days of Summer has its own issues. I mean, the thing that I took most out of 500 Days of Summer is that Summer was a regular, flawed person. And that Joseph Gordon-Levitt really didn't need to put so much weight into his time with her. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I just think that that's what's going on with Mary. And I think that it's kind of unfair to like give her this much weight and I feel like the only way that you could is if you feel like she owes you something because she was nice to you once she owes nobody anything she doesn't she's a regular person she wants to be with her brother she wants to be a doctor she wants to hang out with her friends and that weird really tan lady but the thing is, is that, like, she's kind of, like, undone by all of the people that are just trying to get in her way. And she just doesn't want, like, it's it's weird. Because it's like, Mary doesn't want all of this. She doesn't need people. Like, the guy that, like, like the, the guy who pretended to be British and, and like, disabled. It's just, like... That's so extra. Why don't you just say I'm a pizza guy? Hello. Yeah. Why didn't he? Because it's funny when men lie. Well, I mean, I see this a lot in movies where men pretend to have really fancy jobs or they borrow someone else's car and then they pretend that it's their car or they try to say that they're important. And then by the end of the movie, the woman's either like, Yes, I'm shallow and these things are important. Or the woman says, oh, no, I never cared about that. You know, it could I just... I loved you for you. Yeah. But it's like all of this seems to be based on this, like, false pretense. I mean, t- to go back to that tweet, she's a 10 that treats twos as if they're special. Isn't everyone special? I would think so. Here's a thought. Now, sometimes women, especially straight women, want to be with someone who's going to make themselves feel safe sometimes. Um, You know, which will come with a certain thing like stability, um, money, or... You know, maybe just, like, making making them feel protected. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Um, but I do think that it's more of a baseline thing than than it is. Like, I feel like it's been blown up to be more than it is. Mm-hmm. Because there's this idea that all women want is... I mean, that was, it was a very 90s idea that all women want, oh, you have a fast car, do you have a job? It's like, no, I mean, maybe it's just that, you know, centuries of being underpaid and being the most vulnerable population in terms of the things that can happen to you and and in terms of the way that the government treats you. Like, the thing is that women wanting safety is a completely normal thing. That's not malicious. <laughs> it isn't at all. And it's like, if a woman doesn't want to date you because you are a pizza delivery guy and she wants a businessman, that has nothing to do with you. She just wants a businessman. And she can want a businessman. And if you want to become a businessman to impress this person probably not going to make you very happy. You know, you got to want to be who you, like you you have to want to be things. You can't just be things for other people. But the but this idea that like women are bad because they want a guy to be tall or like have money, it's like that's just what they want and you can find someone who doesn't want that or wants different things. Like, I don't want a businessman. I find finance, especially finance men, I find them to be disgusting. Like, but I'm sure that there are women that don't think that way. And they're just like, okay, he knows how to handle money. I feel like I can have a future with them. Like, the thing about it is that women are very varied in what they want. But they're also just like, it's usually there's some kind of like basic need there. And there's not really... No one wants you to lie to them. No one. By the way, I should come clean. I don't actually make videos for YouTube. <laughs> I lied about that okay. to, to impress you. Mm-hmm. I actually... Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a funny uh, thing that I could actually do, but, you know, fuck that. You know, I'm not... Fuck it. I actually do make videos on YouTube. Yeah, you do. Yes. You can find me on Kyle Calgren BHH. <laughs> I have a Patreon. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. this is a very complicated thing. And of course, like, this is, guys, a, this is the kind guys, of... Guys, <laughs> do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Do something fulfilling. And if you love yourself, people will love you for it. So... Be nice to yourself, you fucking dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that, you know, instead of there's something about Mary making me um, hate men, it mostly just makes me feel bad for them. Because masculinity is a prison and all that. Explain what you mean by that. Don't just say that. Yeah, I have been saying it a lot, haven't I? You say it like on like every episode that you're on. Because masculinity is a prison. Explain. It's, it's this, it's a prison made up of expectations that we set for ourselves, you know, reinforced by very um, male power-centric views of the world. It's not based on what we actually want, but 
what society demands on us. You know, it's the command of man up. It's it's this order, this flagellation that men do that um, makes us think that masculinity is something that we you know need to achieve rather than you know just be. And that's why I say masculinity is a prison. So that now now I'm now I'm done. Guys, be nice to yourselves. Just... And if you're masturbating before a date, maybe <laughs> clean up before you open the door. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would take us to get to the semen joke that everyone knows from this movie. Just, I thought we. I actually was kind of hoping we would get through the whole episode without once mentioning the semen joke. But I just <laughs> just clean up. <laughs> I actually think that masturbating before a date is a really good idea because sometimes yeah, you I've know, been clears on clears your head, clears your tubes. Because sometimes I've been on date with guys and you can tell that they really want to have sex and they don't have any energy for any conversation that's not going to move towards sex. And it's just, it's very weird. And it's yeah. like, I would like to have sex too, but I'd also like to know, <clears throat> you know, if you're a piece of shit first. And it's like, it's very hard because if you're trying to have sex, you lie a lot, which is something that we could spend an entire episode on. <laughs> we did spend an entire episode on <laughs> <laughs> on lying to impress women. Yeah, it's the, that's the plot of this movie. That's everything that happens in this movie. But it's also like, Guys, but it's just, almost just like the movie presented as like Mary's power. Like she makes you lie, which just kind of puts the onus on her. Like even like the, the troubadour, that's just like, there's just something about Mary. And it's like, no, no, no. there isn't. No, there isn't. No, there's something about the... There's something about the pressures that everyone puts on Mary. Leave Mary the fuck alone. Mary needs some peace. Like, let, let Mary have a nice night. Why are you lying to Mary? Doesn't, like, I feel like if you're going to lie to Mary, it's There's like, it's something like, about masculinity. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, why would you want to make Mary miserable to make you feel better? Like, if Mary says that she wants something, why would you pretend to be that? When she could just go meet somebody that, that, that is like that. Like, why you gotta be so selfish? Why are you doing that to Mary? God, justice yeah. for Mary. Yeah, moral of the story is, maybe there's something about you. <laughs> you ever think about that? Yeah! Leave Mary alone! <sighs> well... I can't believe that this is a classic comedy film. That's really embarrassing because it's just not that funny. Yeah. It's just not like... And they're fucking mean to a dog. We well, didn't even mention that. Oh, yeah. They're constantly like killing this dog. Like in this dog... Killing and resurrecting this dog this... and then putting it through, you know, endless torture. Leave this dog alone. <sighs> Stop. 
Yeah, and it's like, I don't know what most of the... Yeah, the, the humor in this movie doesn't work. There's also, like, not enough Sarah Silverman. True. It's really just not enough. Like, if you're gonna... You know, the thing about com- romantic comedies is that they need more comedians in them. Like, a lot of these, like, regular actor people are not that funny. I gotta say. Should we recommend a different romantic comedy for people to look up? I don't know. What could be the antidote to this? The antidote. Um, always Be My Maybe. That We watched that the other night. Uh, that was good. Yeah, Always Be My Maybe is good. Um, but an antidote to something about Mary. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the song? What's the movie with the penis song in it? You mentioned it earlier. Oh, the sweetest thing. The sweetest thing. Maybe that's the antidote. I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, uh, poor Cameron Diaz. <laughs> uh, she's like mm-hmm. she's like retired now, and I and I respect that. But she really just. I feel like she's not remembered for her acting ability as much as she should be. Mm -hmm. And I think that these movies are kind of the reason why. Like, The Mask was her first movie. Yeah. Maybe The Mask is the antidote. (laughs) Because at least, like, Jim Carrey in that movie acknowledges that, you know, he acknowledges that he's putting on a mask uh, to impress someone, but then he can, you know, at least come to her with the mask off. He at least acknowledges that he's, um, you know, doing something performative to impress this person. I will and say... That, and that ultimately the thing that he is performing is his innermost desire. Maybe, maybe The Mask is a smart movie. <sighs> or not. I mean, no, I mean, it's possible. It, it, it's definitely possible. Um, I will say, and uh, I think that this movie actually has a lot of similar themes to Being John Malkovich, and I would say watch Being John Malkovich. Yeah. Um, Especially because Cameron Diaz gives such a fantastic and queer and layered and interesting performance in it. And I think that the way that uh, Hollywood is set up made it like impossible for her to ever be that interesting again. And I really hate it because she's so good in it like she did not get an oscar nomination for it katherine keener did and i think that that was a huge mistake because katherine keener was essentially she's a great actress but katherine keener was playing her normal katherine keener shit in that movie it was not a sense of range like she was just doing Mm -hmm. what she always does whereas cameron diaz did something completely different than what she normally does and she killed it like she was fantastic in it yeah so watch any of those movies but especially being John Malkovich. Especially being John Malkovich. All right. I'm Jordan Searles. I'm Kyle Calgren. Bye. Bye. Oh, yeah. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Oh.